All right, well, we are gonna continue in our series on hearing God's voice. Um, we, we, a couple weeks ago, we just kind of did a great overview of just cultivating um, a relationship with God, carving out time to be with him and hear his voice. And then last, last week, we looked at some just specific ways that we hear God speak. And it was, it's always anchored and rooted in scripture. We gotta be people of the word. I gotta know it. I gotta spend time in the word. But it's not just to have the knowledge and information of the word. I get to know the God of the Bible who's alive. And I can recognize his voice in other ways that he speaks because I know what he's like. I know what his voice sounds like. When I'm trying to learn maybe like how to hear the Holy Spirit, just kind of that still small voice in my heart, I can recognize it because it's, it's not gonna sound like Jake. It's not gonna sound like me. It's gonna sound like the God of the word. And so we cultivate that relationship by lots of different ways that God speaks. And so now this morning, we're gonna talk very specifically about listening to and responding to the Holy Spirit. Listening and responding to the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Well, Holy Spirit, we wanna invite you to come to speak in this moment. Would you come and strengthen our walk with you? May your voice become more and more familiar to us. And may we have more and more responsive hearts to you. And so Lord, wherever we are at on our journey with you, God, would you invite us in? Would we hear your call to step into real, living, active relationship with you? God, may, may we live in such a way that we have an awareness of you speaking in our lives, doing stuff in the world around us. And then God, may we have obedient, responsive hearts that will act upon the direction that you've given. That when you prompt, we say yes. God, would you do that in our hearts and would you help us see this in your word today? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So we're called to be people of the word and spirit who cultivate an attitude of responsive watching, listening, and waiting. That's right where we left off last Sunday. And so here's how we do that. We're gonna look at one main text this morning. I believe you see this throughout scripture, but one main text this morning, we're in Acts chapter 10, and then we'll bleed over into Acts chapter 11 a little bit. So if you wanna follow in your Bible, you can turn there. We'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. In Acts chapter 10, and we're specifically, we're looking at a really incredible story that is meaningful for us. Like we wouldn't be in this room if this story hadn't happened. This is the story that led to the gospel being open to the Gentiles. All right, and so we wouldn't be here without this. But specifically, I want us to watch at Peter's responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. That leads to us now being here today. That's pretty incredible. And so the first point we're gonna talk about this morning, it's really simple. It's the point of awareness. I want to be aware that God is talking. And so how do I listen to the Holy Spirit? And so as we jump into this, we're gonna see something really interesting. While most of this story is about Peter hearing from God and then being obedient and following through on what God said, we get a glimpse into what's happening before Peter is even aware of what's going on. God is already working behind the scenes before Peter hears a word. So check this out, Acts 10, verses one through three. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. Now, I don't know a whole lot about the Italian cohort, uh, but I know a little bit about, you know, some 
Italian mafia guys. I'm guessing these are some pretty tough dudes right here. The Italian cohort, a Roman centurion. Like this guy, like he's a soldier, man. He's elite. Verse two, and he was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and he prayed continually to God. So, so as we'll find out, this guy has no relationship with Jesus, but he just has an awareness that God's real and he's a generous guy and he prays and he gives. And so he's, he's, he's a tough like man's man, but he has a real heart to honor God and to take care of people. I, I love this. And so verse three, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, God speaks to this guy by name. I love that. We get a glimpse into this dynamic of God wooing this man to himself. He was open and receptive to God. What, whatever he knew about God, he was responding to that. And we also see God pursuing him and calling him by name. And so the story unfolds and he gives Cornelius through this vision of an angel, he gives him some very clear and specific instructions and tells him there's a certain man in a certain town staying at a certain house. Go send some of your guys and bring that man and listen to what he says. And so Cornelius hears this and as soon as the angel finishes, he immediately obeys. I love that. See, wherever we are at in our walk with God, even if we're newbies, even if this is unfamiliar territory, friends, when God shows up and speaks, like we can have that awareness of like, oh, he's talking to me. And then I can, I can have a choice to treasure that and to do something with it. And so all of this has taken place and Peter has no idea. He's going about his normal day, minding his own business, but friends, like the first principle we need to understand about having an awareness of God speaking is this. God is always and already at work. Just because I'm just now finding out about it doesn't mean he hasn't been doing something already. Or the things I think I'm really concerned about and I wish God would do something about that, he's saying, hey, I'm already there I'm already doing something. I'm already at work. And so having an awareness of God speaking is just living with that daily realization, God's doing stuff. He's doing stuff in my life. He's doing stuff in the life of the members of my household. Coworkers, even the ones that drive me crazy, God's doing stuff in their life. Neighbors, the, the random people we meet right, at the grocery store, the park, wherever. God is always and already at work. And so choosing to have an awareness of him means he might at times talk to me so I can see what he's doing, participate in what he's doing, respond to what he's doing. And so friends, let's have that daily mindset. See, Peter has no idea what's going on. He doesn't know about Cornelius. He's not in Caesarea He's just going about his own business, but he did something that he was faithful in doing regularly. Look at where his part of the story picks up. So the next day, these guys are now on the way to Joppa, where Peter is. And this is in Acts 10 now, verses uh, nine and 10. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He's like, hey, I'm gonna get away for a little bit of quiet time, going up on the rooftop, away from the rest of the members of the house. 
I'm gonna spend some time with God. I'm gonna pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. I'm so glad other people get distracted when they go to pray too. <laughs> like, I just wanna pause and acknowledge that. I love how real this story is. Like, Peter's being faithful to go pray, but like, it's lunchtime. Six hours a day, it's noon. He's ready to eat. And he's getting hangry. And so he needs to, he's praying, but the, you know, he's hungry. And so here he is up there giving that time to the Lord. He's ready to eat. And it says they were, while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. So I guess Peter could say, man, I'm literally dying of hunger here. Like I've said that, but I've never fallen in a trance because I was so hungry. Um, I'm kidding around a little bit. But listen, he's hungry, but he's spending time with the Lord. And then suddenly he has this vision. And, and if you read verses 11 through 16, it kind of unpacks this. He begins to see uh, food being lowered. Animals are coming down on a sheet. Like God's giving him like a picnic spread. He's having a hungry dream is what he's having, right? Like that's my initial impression. If I was in Peter's shoes, I would just be thinking, I'm dreaming about what I want right now. I wanna eat. But as the food comes down, it comes into view, he realizes there's unclean animals at this picnic. There's some bacon, man. And it looks good, but I don't think I'm supposed to have that. And so his instinct is, wait a minute, I'm supposed to resist this. Like what is happening in this dream? And so we're gonna pick it up in verse 13. And there came a voice to him that said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Yes, thank God for bacon. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him, him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And the scripture goes on to say this vision repeated itself three times and then he wakes up. So he's minding his own business, praying before lunch. He's hungry. He has this vision from God. And he wakes up and, and look just at the first little part of verse 17 here. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. He's perplexed. He's like, what was that? I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but he's gotta be thinking like, man, is this just some is this some weird dream because I was hungry? Is this a temptation? Like, was that from God? Or am I being like tempted to eat something I'm not supposed to eat? And this is like an opportunity for me to like take a stand. Like he's uncertain about what it means. He's perplexed, he's confused. But what I love about Peter is he just, he sits with it. He doesn't fully understand what that dream was about, but he doesn't just discard it. He pauses he doesn't just throw it away, but he also doesn't rush to judgment. He just sits there. And so look at this now, verses 17 through 19, kind of fully. So now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had had or that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. You see how God's lining all this up? He's still upstairs oblivious, but now these guys have found his front door. And they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. So they're talking to the people downstairs. Hey, does Peter live at this house? Peter's upstairs, confused and perplexed at what's going on. Verse 19. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit spoke to him. While he was pondering the vision. The pieces are still moving around. There's not total clarity on what's going on. We get the glimpse to see God's doing stuff. He's lining up the right things 
at the right moment, with the right people. Like God's timing is coming together. But I love this. Peter doesn't miss it because he slowed down. He was listening. I want you to see the pattern here. First of all, he just, he set aside time to pray. Peter had these, these prayer times all the time. Doesn't mean he had a vision all the time, but he consistently set time aside to be with the Lord. So he's, he's got this habit of cultivating prayer, talking to God, listening for him. He set that time aside. Then he receives a message that he didn't understand. He's confused, but he got a message. And so what does he do? He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't force a meaning. He waits. He ponders. He listens more. So friends, I want you to see this. While this main point is just about being aware, there's all these little pieces to it. So the way this looks in our lives is it starts out with just, God, I wanna have a general awareness that you're doing things and that you speak. And so I'm gonna consistently set time aside to be with you. I'm gonna create space in my life to listen. And I'm just gonna do it consistently and faithfully. Whether I have a big vision or not, I'm just gonna spend that time with you. And then when he speaks just along the way in life, maybe it's in that prayer moment, maybe it's just as I'm about my day, because I am living with this sense of awareness, then when he does speak, there's a crucial moment there. Will, will I slow down and listen? I, I've experienced so many times in my life where even it seems like in small ways, God says a little something, I just kind of keep moving and, brush on through my day and then I'll realize later. Like, I, y'all might think this is just not the Lord, it's just my brain, I don't know. But the amount of times I've thought about something that I don't have with me and I ignore it and leave the house and get somewhere and then I realize, oh, I don't have that thing with me. And it's like, I think the Holy Spirit was going, hey, Jake, you're forgetful. Go grab your wallet, buddy. You're gonna be annoyed when you get to the store and can't pay. Like, I've had all kinds of little moments like that. And sometimes they're not that silly. Sometimes there's moments like, God's prompting me to have a conversation to reach out to somebody, I, I miss it, I resist it. And so there's a general awareness, cultivating space to hear from him. Then there's specific awareness. God, you're saying something, I'm gonna slow down and listen. If it's clear, then great, we can respond. If it's not clear, don't brush it off, don't neglect it, do what Peter showed us. Ponder it, sit with it, consider what he's up to. God, what are you saying? We almost didn't move to Knoxville. There were several years of praying and exploration about where God might be calling us to. We were very plugged into a a thriving church community that we'd been a part of for well over a decade. Like there was a clear path to just be there for a long time. And we began to pray with our friends, the Hawkins, and another couple that that were real close with us, about where to go and we checked out places and we'd done little exploratory trips and we ended up, we spent some time in North Carolina one weekend. I think it was a weekend. I don't remember if it was midweek or a weekend. Y'all just jump in and correct me if I get any of this wrong along the way here. But we were kind of feeling drawn to like Durham, that kind of area, Durham, Chapel Hill, Raleigh. We just kind of felt a little, you know, so we were like checking it out, spending time there. And we were really expecting to go and it'd be a really confirming trip. Like, this is it, we're excited, we can't wait to see. Y'all, it was the most confusing weekend ever. It was like, 
we're missing each other. It doesn't feel right. Like confusing, conflicting messages. And like, it just, we just felt like after the weekend, we weren't like, we didn't have more clarity. We had less. We were just like, wait, what's the deal? And we were even hoping like the timing was gonna be soon. It ended up being like, I don't know, year and a half after that or so before we were talking about coming here. I mean, it just, it was tough. We felt God prompting us and stirring vision in our hearts. We felt called somewhere. We began to have a sense of what he might be calling us to. And we thought we had a little direction and get there. And it was confusion. We were perplexed like Peter. But friends, we didn't force it and just bullheaded make it happen anyways. But we also didn't leave that weekend and go, well, I guess we're just never gonna go do that. It's like, all right, God, we're just gonna wait. We're gonna ponder and wait. There's a lot of waiting and it was hard. But God, God revealed some things and fast forward quite a bit of time later, I, be, I began to have this real sense like, God, I think the timing is coming soon, but there's just no clarity what's going on. And he finally highlighted to me you're holding on to Franklin. You're holding on to what you have now, waiting to find what's next. You're gonna have to let go before I'm gonna show you what's next. Your hand's gotta be open for me to give you what's next. And so for me, clarity in that moment was, I, we talked, we prayed. I went into my pastor and said, um, I think it's time for me to go, but I don't even know where I'm going but I feel like God's called us somewhere and I just know I need to say it's not here. Now, I can't fully encapsulate all that that meant in that moment. Um, and he was very gracious. It went well, but like I'm basically telling him I'm quitting and I have no direction for what's next. Let me just say right here, do not do that unless you know you have heard from the Lord. <laughs> Okay, this isn't like a license for everybody to just go, hey, I'm kind of sick of this job, I'm quitting tomorrow. Jake gave me permission. Like, no, 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 this is lots of prayer and waiting. And it's like, here was, here was a place of clarity. And so we said, okay, God, we said yes to that. Can I tell y'all, that happened in like April, May of 2015. And over the course of the next couple months, it was like a floodgate open to Knoxville. All the ways the Lord began to confirm, this is the place. Go, go, go. And everything lined up. And then we were here six months later. And then there was a church in our living room a month after that. Now I fast forwarded through several years there though of trying to have awareness and not having total clarity. Ponder, wait, listen. We cultivate that in a general sense. And then when he gives us bits and pieces, don't, don't lose them because they don't come right away necessarily but don't force them either. Wait and trust. Friends, we're not gonna miss him. If, if he really wants to point us in a direction and we have ears to hear it, we're not gonna miss him. And that's what happens for Peter. Because he sat with it and he pondered, then ultimately he's waiting on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks at just the right moment. The moment is now. Verse 19. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Notice the Holy Spirit didn't say, hey, here's what the vision means. He just said, here's the next step of obedience. Here's an action point. 
hey, you're sitting here waiting on me? Cool, I'll tell you what to do. Go pay attention to those guys that are knocking on your front door. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? See, because he had learned to listen to the Holy Spirit, he could then go and listen to this God connection. All right, God gave me a little piece of it. He told me to go to these guys. Cool, who are y'all? Why are you here? I'm being obedient to the thing that God said. And see, friends, that's it. That's point number two. If the first point is awareness, the second point is obedience. Guys, it is, it's so crucial that we cultivate responsive hearts. See, for some of us, maybe it's just really challenging us to even think that God would wanna talk to me. Or it's weird to think, how could I get familiar or recognize his voice? But friends, for others of us, like God has started speaking to us and the way that we cultivate that relationship is we say yes to him when he speaks, that we're responsive to him. And so Peter walks in obedience. Again, look at how Peter interacts. He listens for the Holy Spirit. Then he waits. So for a while, he's just listening to see if the Holy Spirit will speak, right? Then he listens to what the Holy Spirit says. When he does speak, he takes it in. Okay, specific direction. And then finally, when God speaks, Peter obeys. And so over the next few verses, we see that Peter hears about Cornelius and this vision that he had. He invites the men to stay the night and agrees to accompany them to Cornelius' house the next day. Now let's pick this up, verse 25. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Do you see how God is allowing Peter to see more and more as the pieces unfold? And because Peter was listening and obedient, it's starting to come together. But, but I, don't wanna, I don't wanna go too quickly past something that's really important here. This is rocking Peter's world. He's saying, guys, I don't get this. According to the law, I should not be standing here right now. This contradicts what I know to be true. This, this is important that we get this right. God has told him something that seemingly contradicts what he has believed, what he has lived by, what he's known to be true based on God's law. This is a big deal. This is like life-altering stuff that's happening to him. And so he's, he's saying, guys, there's this tension Part of me is going, I shouldn't be here right now. But I also can't deny God told me to be here. <laughs> so I'm here. So why am I here? <laughs> he's, he's listening. He's responding. But it seems to contradict. I want y'all to see this. Number one, it doesn't actually contradict. It doesn't actually contradict. It contradicts his understanding. We have to be able to differentiate between the two. Okay. Jesus ministered to Gentiles. Now, he did make it clear he was primarily there for the house of Israel, but he ministered to Samaritans and to Gentiles. Jesus had an interaction with a Roman centurion. 
In fact, it was a Roman centurion that looked at Jesus on the cross and said, surely this man is the son of God. So Jesus ministered to Gentiles. Prior to the establishment of the Jewish nation in the scripture, there's no distinction. There's just people like Noah and Abraham who are just willing to be responsive to the God of heaven, to live responsive lives to, to him. And in fact, if we really truly understand what the Old Testament is saying, God made a point over and over and over again in their scriptures that all of the world would be blessed through Abraham's family. God will never speak to us something that contradicts his word, but he will contradict us. And there's times where he even wants to contradict our understanding of his word. Maybe I've got something that's a little off. Maybe I'm holding on to something that what I have is right, but something's missing. And so we, we have to position ourselves. If we're gonna be aware of God speaking and we're gonna have responsive hearts, we have to be willing to let him contradict us. It won't contradict his word but it may contradict our view or understanding of it. And he will definitely contradict our sin, our pride, our stubbornness, because he loves us enough to do that. So we listen. Do we want to hear God? Purpose in advance to obey, and then obey. That's the key. Are you correctable? Like these are just some things to ponder as we're talking about hearing God's voice this morning. Am I correctable? Can, can God contradict me? Do I give him space to do that? Am I willing to be contradicted? Can God speak to me and find a person who's willing to obey and change? And so then in answer to Peter's question, why did you send me? Cornelius tells the story of his vision and then he says, when he finishes telling the story, he says in verse 33, so I sent for you at once. Peter's been obedient. Cornelius has been obedient. And Cornelius says, and you've been kind enough to come. You wanna know why you're here in the house of a Gentile? God told me to ask for you to come and you were kind enough to do it. You listened to God. You answered my request and you were kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Do you see this beautiful thing that's happening? See, when I purpose to be responsive to God, I may discover that he begins to put me in contact with other people who are in the same place. God's talking to them too. And God wants to use the two of us to be a part of this conversation that's happening. Listen, I promise you, if Peter had resisted, God was still gonna save Cornelius. But Peter got to participate in it because he was responsive and obedient. And so I love that attitude. Everybody present here is going, God's doing something. This is cool. I wanna hear what he has to say and I'm willing to obey it. And so Peter then, he has this open invitation to share the gospel and over the next nine or 10 verses, he kind of just lays out this whole, this whole message of the gospel. I want to just give a couple observations. It's worth reading the whole thing, but I'm just going to give a couple observations. The first one I want you to see, verses 34 and 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. 
The journey's complete. (laughs) God's been peeling back the layers for Peter, little by little, he's listened, he's responded, he's obeyed, and now Peter's going, man, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. See, even as Peter is there to preach, he's being taught. How many of us are so ready to teach someone else? But the best posture that we can be in as those who might speak into other people's lives is do I allow the Lord to speak into my life? Do I allow other people used by him to speak into my life? So even as he is there to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to Gentiles who don't know it, he's saying, I've learned something. God is teaching me right now in this moment what he's up to. And so Peter goes, man, I get it. And now I get to preach this to you. This is great. God has opened the door. And so then he goes on to connect what they know. I love this. It's, it's worth paying attention to just to learn how to share the gospel with people. I'd encourage you to do that. It's not the context of this sermon, but it's worth doing. He shares what they know. He says, hey, I know y'all have heard about Jesus. You heard about John the Baptist. You heard about Jesus because Jesus had operated in that area. He'd done ministry there. And so he connected what they knew with what they maybe didn't know. And he brings full clarity to the gospel message about Jesus' death and about his resurrection. And then he says, here's the application for anyone who will hear it, verse 42. And Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. And I love verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Guys, it's not just that God will speak to us and it's not just that God wants us to be obedient. He's excited to cooperate with us. When we are responsive to his voice and we purpose to obey, we find that he is working powerfully right there with us. Peter didn't have to have the sermon altogether. In fact, he hadn't even stopped talking yet. They were like, hey, buddy, you can shut up now. We got it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit said, I got this. Peter, you've been obedient and responsive. These people are ready. Thanks for talking, buddy, but uh, I'm moving now. And the Holy Spirit fell on him. God moved. This this is what happens. Friend, the third third point is like a two-minute point. When we are aware and we are obedient, there's fruit. When we are aware and we are obedient, there is fruit. Jesus said, it's better that I return to the Father because the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And it's gonna fulfill prophecy that says the Holy Spirit's gonna be poured out on all flesh. People who are obedient and responsive to the Holy Spirit get to be a part of seeing the Holy Spirit spread into the lives of others. Other people get to come into relationship with God. And so look at the beautiful fruit that takes place. Verses 45 through 48. Peter had brought some other believers with him, Jewish believers with him. And they're just watching this whole scene. And they're seeing how Peter's handling it. They're hearing what everybody said. Now they see the Holy Spirit fall. And look at, look at, they just get to enjoy this fruit. Verse 45. 
And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. They're going, hey, wait a minute. We were there at Pentecost. We saw the miracle God did there among us Jewish brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus. And now he's doing it in this house with these Gentiles. Whoa. They were amazed at the fruit. And then Peter declared, I love this. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He's like, man, it's time to have a baptism right here. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Two guys, a guy who didn't even fully know or understand who God was. He just had an openness to God of heaven. Another man who did know, who had a personal relationship with God, who was minding his own business, going about his usual day, but he set time aside to be with the Lord. And these two guys listened. They didn't try to generate something or make something happen. They just were open to God speaking. They had awareness. They listened to what he said. They obeyed and look at the fruit. And like literally this morning, just look around for a second. This is the fruit. We're here because Peter and Cornelius said yes. There were new believers. The current believers were amazed, encouraged, built up. And Jesus was glorified. And the Holy Spirit spread. More lives were touched by the presence of God. See, guys, it's a pretty simple message. But it, it takes some purpose to say, I'm going to live this way. God, I'm gonna believe that you would talk to me. And I'm gonna purpose to, to create space, to have awareness for what you're up to. And when these moments, these prompting comes, even if I don't see the whole step, I'll just say yes to the next little step of obedience you call me to. And then we get to watch this beautiful stuff take place. Listen, one last little note here. Some of the fruit of living a responsive, obedient life like this Sometimes the fruit is, it will contradict some other people. It'll challenge other folks. The story doesn't end right here. Peter goes, this is a big deal. This is a big moment. The gospel's been opened up to the Gentiles. So he returns to Jerusalem and verse, uh, chapter 11 now, verses one through four say, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. They're hung up on food. <laughs> and Peter began and explained to them in order. I want you to see this. The fruit of obeying when God speaks, it's not always gonna be easy. There will be opposition. But when, when Peter met resistance, like the first potential resistance was his own heart. Will I obey? Then the next potential Resistance was when he obeyed, will others have an issue with this? He didn't write them off. He didn't condemn or reject them. He said, let me, let me talk you through what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what God did. And in an orderly way, he walks them through. 
he invites them in as well. The very opposition he invites in. And he concludes it with these words in verses 17 and 18. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Those are some words to live by right there. God wants to speak. He wants me to have awareness of that. He wants me to have a heart that's obedient. And those are the words I take to heart. Who am I to stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. We can be responsive and we can be obedient if we'll live with that awareness and then purpose to do what he calls us to do. I don't wanna say no when he's saying yes. I don't wanna say yes to something when he's saying no. For those studying the book this week, you know, the, there are these like big words, quenching the spirit, grieving the spirit. It's just that simple. It's me saying no to him when he's saying yes, do this thing. And I just, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna listen. Or the opposite, he's warning me. Hey, don't do that. Don't go that way. Don't fall back into that sin again. And I can say, okay, you're telling me to say no to that. I'll say no to that. Two choices. I can have a responsive life that listens and is obedient and it's gonna produce great fruit. Fruit that's life-giving in my life and fruit that can spread to others. Or I can have an unresponsive heart where I find myself quenching good things God wants to do or grieving him when I walk in resistance and disobedience. That's what lays before us. And I don't just mean that as like a response to the sermon. I mean like on a random Wednesday morning, that's what lays before us. God, will I have a responsive heart today? Or have I got my own stuff going on? Who am I to stand in the way of what God wants to do? Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us enough to save us, and that's enough. But God, you love us enough to invite us into an active, vibrant, living relationship with you. God, you wanna speak to us to bring healthy, needed change in our own hearts and lives. And God, so that we can experience the joy of participating in what you're up to in the world around us. God, thank you that you are always at work. Thank you that you actively speak to us. Lord, I, I pray that we would purpose in our hearts, not just in this moment, but just in the daily rhythms of our lives. God, that we would purpose in our hearts to cultivate a relationship where we learn to hear your voice or we'll wait and we'll listen. And then when you give clear direction, we'll obey. God, I pray that we would have a willingness never to contradict your word, but a willingness to be lovingly contradicted by you when and where it's needed. God, create responsive hearts in our lives. Reveal to us barriers that currently exist. And thank you that by your power, 
you break down walls. You take off blinders. You enable us to repent and enjoy the life that you have for us. We long for that. In our lives individually, in our homes, in this church body, in this community that we live in. May we have responsive hearts to you and to your voice. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.